is an illicit radio program. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome. Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Bazaar. This is the fortnightly podcast where I interview the best up-and-coming talent in the horror community from the pages to the screen and everything in between. But you all know that by now. If you'd like to join in the discussion, you can find me on Twitter, at The Fear Merchant. And tonight's guest, a dark horror fantasy writer, Israel Finn. If you want to find him, he is at Israel underscore Finn on Twitter. If you're loving the show, it would be very much appreciated if you could give a like, follow, review, anything would help. Just get visibility out of the show and tell all your friends, family, press the refresh button, I don't care. Everything's good. Uh, That delicious music you hear in the background that is from werewolves in siberia we got a nice little collaboration going he can be found on twitter at cult of w-i-s that's werewolves in siberia but with all that out of the way sit back relax and enjoy the following conversation i had with israel finn here it is i'll see you at the end and Israel here with me. How are you this afternoon for yourself? It's in the evening for me. How are you? <laughs> Great. How you doing, Richard? Good. And we were just chatting a little bit there. You said you're nursing a bit of a hangover. You've kind of some interesting things happening in the midst of it. Is that yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm a lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went out last night. I was, uh, I was uh, playing host to a, a publisher friend of mine. Uh, he was visiting with his son here in San Diego, and and so uh, yeah, we met last night and drank some some good draft beer. That's good. And, uh, yeah, and had a about a three hour long conversation about horror fiction. Excellent stuff. It was it was awesome. You didn't end up in is the Stone Brewers is up in San Diego somewhere? Is it? That's what he asked me too, and and I'm actually I'm not sure about that, but two or three people have asked me that. You know, I should know that, but. But the thing is, is uh, I think San Diego is rated like in the top five among the top five brewery towns yeah. uh, here in the U.S. But but you know my my drinking days are basically behind me, so <laughs> you know I'm not much of an aficionado. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's drinking days are usually behind them because they want to forget them. <laughs> yeah, every day it's always a great idea at the time, isn't it? Exactly. But I mean, it was a good time, but you know, I had to uh, pop a few ibuprofen this morning. <laughs> ah, yeah. No, I knew when you said, oh, let's have the interview at noon. I was like, okay, yeah, there's definitely a heavy one behind this one anyway. <laughs> if you're not having yeah. a bright and early one. Right. Well, that's all good. So you're a horror, a dark fantasy writer. For those in the audience who might know who you are, would you like to give a little bit of a background in your own words? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I, uh, I'm originally from uh, the Midwest and I moved to out here to California about 15 years ago with my wife. Uh, so we've been living here since then. I love it here. I'm actually, I played music also for, you know, 35 some odd years. 
Um, and I played uh, in a couple of bands when I got out here and then it just kind of got old and uh, I, you know, I don't work well with others. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a loner. You know, I've, I've, I just work well by myself. And, and so I, I gave up on the music thing and, and uh, started writing and uh, haven't looked back. You know, right. it's See, been awesome. And I've heard as well that you used to be in the Navy. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, yeah. Um, I joined the Navy, and uh, my first base was uh, in Bremerton, Washington, uh, because when I when I had to meet my ship, it was in dry dock there, and uh, so yeah, I was in uh, Bremerton, uh, which is right across the bay from uh, Seattle, and I was there for about three months, and I swear to God, it rained every day. <laughs> And, it's like uh, home here with me, Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> constantly. I mean, amazing. it's beautiful there. You know, it's beautiful. I love it. And uh, uh, if I if I didn't live in California, I I might live up there because I, I just I love that area. Yeah. So then uh, I was, you know, our ship came down here. Our base was in North Island mm. here in San Diego, and that's how I you know kind of got to know San Diego. Yeah, and then after after I got out of the Navy, I went back east, and then uh, you know met my wife and all that, and finally convinced her to come back out here. So, excellent. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah, so you you've kind of only recently taken up the mantle of writing, so to speak, or has it been brewing in the background for a long time? Well, actually, yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, I started writing when I was like I don't know ten or twelve. And so I was writing stories, you know, up until I was like maybe 16. And then a friend of mine told me that he thought I could sing well and I had no idea. And so he asked me to join his band and, you know, then my whole course changed. Right. And so, yeah, I was in I was in various bands, like I say, and, you know, and I was a songwriter for several years, too. So, I mean, I, I still kind of was doing the writing thing. Uh, I, and and I think the songwriting helped me too. It helped uh, with the rhythm of my writing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's like poetry. Uh, it, it helps because you know, even with prose, you have to have a certain rhythm. It can't be you know like a staccato. Of course, because yeah. you know, no, it's the it, yeah. semantics. So I think of it. it's very important. Right. So I, I eventually came back to you know to the writing, which was my first love anyway. And, uh, you know, I've lamented sometimes the, the years lost uh, by playing music, which I ended up not doing anyway. But, um, you know, my wife always tells me, you know, well, you did it for a reason. So I guess, you know, I have to sort of resign myself to that. Well, in terms um, of songwriting, I would say any good song tells a good story. So kind of subtly, yeah, right. you've been storytelling, but in the prose form. Um, right, exactly. With and you work with metaphor and of course, you know, yeah. no, it's a little bit more esoteric being a songwriter because there's a lot of craft goes into it to kind of right, you know, get across in the minimal verses kind of what's happening. In yeah, the song. yeah, you absolutely. Know, it's very easy to write a thousand-page novel when it, it could end up saying nothing. Exactly, but, but a song's only two or three minutes. <laughs> And I heard as well that, you know, you, you have your strong influences like Richard Matheson, Stephen King, Kurt Vonnegut, all that. 
but it seems that your dad was in a roundabout way uh, your biggest influence because he uh do you want to tell us the inception of how you started yeah loving um, all horror and sci-fi yeah my dad uh he, it was uh during the summer of i guess my uh ninth or tenth year i don't i i don't remember exactly but i was being punished for something and i don't remember what but we, we didn't have a television at the time uh, because our, our tv was on the fritz i think my dad was out of work uh at the time he was a factory worker and and he um you know he, i had to stay in the house i was grounded basically uh, I was driving him crazy because, you know, I, I was going crazy. I couldn't go outside or anything. And so he gave me a book to read. And actually, he made me read it. He said, just sit down, shut up, <laughs> read this book. <laughs> and it was uh, it was Tarzan of the Apes by Edgar Rice Burroughs. And, I you know, I hated it at first because uh, I felt like I was, you know, I mean, it was my summer vacation and, you know, I wasn't in school. Why was I having to read? Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't take long before I, you know, I mean, I was completely immersed in the story and, you know, and then I couldn't put it down and, uh, I, I loved it. The, the book just, it woke me up to reading a love of stories, which I guess was there all the time anyway. But then after that, you know, I read everything by him I could get my hands on and 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 everything else in the house that my dad had laying around uh, Ray Bradbury and Matheson and all those guys. And, uh, you know, he had he, he liked to read like spy novels and stuff like that, too. And, you know, I tried a couple of those, but I, I just never got into them. So and I was always interested in Bradbury and Vonnegut and Matheson and, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, those guys. And then later, you know, Stephen King and Robert McCammon, I don't know, Ramsey Campbell, it's too many to mention. Mm. So, so, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So would you said that, we'll say your dad's collection would have shaped your taste, so to speak? Like, at what stage did it take you to branch out and start buying your own books or taking books out of the library? Well, yeah, I mean... I think that his taste definitely influenced mine. Yeah, I mean, you know, new writers are coming along all the time anyway. So, you know, if if you're if you're an avid reader, you you know can't help discover them, uh, but discover them. But um, I don't know. I, I think uh, I just I loved fantasy and science fiction, but I was just I think I was naturally drawn to the macabre. Is it macabre or macabre? I've always wanted. <laughs> I think I've heard it said sure. different I, ways. But... It's, I think you, it can be said both ways because people uh, okay. say it both ways. But I'm afraid to even uh, say the word now myself. <laughs> I like macabre. I think that yeah. sounds cooler. Uh, yeah, but I was I was drawn to that naturally, and I just I don't know. I really dig horror I, and like dark fantasy, or you know, like I don't know. Uh, the book I'm the book I'm writing now uh, is it's hard to say. I, I think there are, are um, there's there are definitely fantasy elements in it, but you know I I try to keep it uh, keep the dark edge, the mm. creepy edge factor to it. You know, so I don't know. Once this book comes out, I don't know how people are going to label it. You know, I, I think um, over here 
in the U.S., we tend to label things a lot. You know, I, I don't know. They're obsessed with putting people in pigeonholes or whatever. Oh, like uh, general with, labeling of people, not just actual books. <laughs> well, both, like really. He, he is ADD. He's bloody junky. He's whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get you. Uh, but books are the same way. So, you know, and I never really much liked labels, but... You know, I call myself a horror writer because it's the, pretty much the closest that I can get to explaining what it is that I do write. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love, like I say, I love fantasy and and but but my stuff always has a dark, gritty edge to it, kind of a realism, which seems to you know the horror genre seems to encompass that more than anything else. Yeah. So yeah. No, big time, and. As a writer yourself, was it always going to be horror you were focused on or when you were playing around with ideas, were you saying, oh, I'm going to write a few romantic comedies or, you know, <laughs> what, like, what made you decide to go down the horror route as a writer as opposed to just a consumer? Yeah, um, well, yeah, in the, in the beginning, it was, um, you know, uh, it was a lot of amateurish first starts and false starts um, of science fiction, um, just exploring, finding my way, finding my voice. Um, but uh, it, it seemed to be a natural transgression or uh, not transgression, but, uh, uh, um, or maybe I'm drawing a blank here. My hangover's Transition. hitting me. Man. <laughs> Transition. Thank yeah. you. No, we can edit all this out later. Or, or transgression. Maybe it was a transgression. <laughs> Uh, yeah, from, uh, you know, my reading of horror to the writing, because I liked, uh, you know, I, I like the emotion, uh, of horror. I, li I like, uh, you know, I mean, it gets your adrenaline stirring, you know, it just, I, I just love that. I mean, I guess, you know, romance writers and romance readers could say the same thing. They love the emotions that, you know, romance stirs or, you know, science fiction, readers love the the emotion that you know the ideas of science fiction the you know tra time travel or space travel you know seeing another you know standing on the surface of another planet yeah you know those emotions that stir but for me that visceral you know stirring of horror especially if it's uh got elements of real life in it yeah that's my thing man it's you know that's that's my uh you know that's my that's my love and you know it, it just nothing else comes close to me or for me i would you know? think the same because like would you think that you know horror always kind of hits more close to home than say uh, a romance novel or a sci-fi because sci-fi is so out there it's obviously yeah. science fiction and then romance right. is maybe you know, it's romance, but it's a romantic vision of romance. If, if yeah, exactly. Phrase. But then horror is like we all see the shadow at the corner of our eye. We all go to bed with anxiety. We, there's always the, you know, the the boogeyman in the closet. You're always maybe threatened when you're younger of, oh, he's going to gobble you up and eat you, all the fairy tales. Do you think exactly in that respect, horror gets everyone? It touches everyone a bit like if you watch a horror movie, you're like, oh, Jesus. But at least it's kind of contained. You can turn it off afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Um, 
I, I've written several times about this kind of stuff that horror, good horror, and and actually science fiction. Some of the better writers of science fiction are start, starting to, you know, oh, with science fiction uh, horror is the best to, to yeah. do this too. But yeah. um, but basically, good horror to me, you know, it's it's about um, certain elements of real life, and and those elements are horrific too. You know, it's not all. It's not always just about the monster in the closet or the creature under the bed. You know, it's about you know the little girl that's that's being raped by her uncle, and yeah. you know she no, can't she can't say anything because he's threatened. To, yeah. yeah, I mean, and I know that that uh, a lot of these elements are maybe a little bit too harsh for some people, and I get that, but you know. Like Kafka said, you know, uh, to paraphrase, if you're, you know, if, if you're not being stung or you're not being sh- shaken up by a story, what the hell are you reading it for? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the way yeah. I feel. So, I mean, I want to I want to go there in my stories. I want to I want to go to those places that are hard to look at, hard to think about, because, you know, why am I doing it? If I'm if I'm not doing it that way, of course you don't so. want any sort of cookie cutter. Just oh yeah, I wrote another book and it's tame enough. I do. I right. like to be um, challenged, so to speak, when you're watching, especially horror, because you come for a bit of a thrill. You don't want to say you don't want to be rooting for the bad guys, so to speak. You want to be mm-hmm. actually because I think recently a lot of movies are going the opposite way, uh, where you're kind of rooting for the bad guy quote-unquote like the nightmare on elm streets and bloody Halloween yeah. and yeah the anti-heroes or yeah or the big, anti-hero and... but i think when you ground it well, look more, at breaking, breaking bad of I mean, course you know it's ridiculous <laughs> but you shouldn't be rooting for those people i mean your example of you know the little girl next door getting raped by her uncle or something like that that is a story is is worth telling because it kind of brings awareness to stuff that is actually happening it's not yeah unstoppable anti-hero who's you know has a one-lining quip after impaling someone like that doesn't happen but when right exactly and and so if you can if you can incorporate uh these real life elements into you know into your stories there's always going to be somebody out there that can relate to it of course and and that's what writing and reading is about it's that connection between the writer and the reader so you know if you're if you're going to connect connect you know and there's there you know there are myriad problems out there that people go through whatever they may be you know we're all just flesh and blood walking around trying not to fuck up yeah yeah. (laughs) you know so i mean we have problems yeah, everyone has their cross uh, and, to bear in some capacity. Exactly. Mm. So you know that's that's there's a lot of fodder there for for stories. Oh, of course. You yeah, know? we're we're getting quite deep already. It's early Sunday morning for yourself, and we're <laughs> yeah, I know. right in the deep end of uh, philosophical debate here. <laughs> so, what was I going to say? Yeah. So in relation to you know you like testing people with kind of what you write uh, in a sort of a, a broader sense you know, all this safe space banter, people don't want to be challenged, universities clamping down on different opinions and all that. What's your yeah. what's your opinion on that? It's a little bit uh, more topical now. Oh, uh, yeah, don't get me started. 
I, you that know, could be a whole different day. <laughs> yeah, I think we're we are politically correcting ourselves, you know, straight to uh, yeah, I don't know, someplace we don't want to go. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, people people get their feelings hurt so so easily, you know. It's I don't I don't know how we got on that track, you know, um, as a country or a world or whatever. You know, somebody a world it's it's happening everywhere. Yeah, I I, I suppose so. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, everybody gets their feelings hurt so easily. And and somebody says something seemingly innocuous online. And next thing you know, they've got to be apologizing to the PC police for <laughs> for, you know, like, like uh, the okay, the remark that Steve Martin made about uh, Carrie Fisher after she died. You know, they they came out and they you know started tried to destroy him because of. I I read this tweet. There was nothing. It was, it was a nice thing that he said. That you know. I missed he, that one. Now, what he, did he say? Well, he said that, and she she was a friend of his, by the way, so a very close friend. He said that, uh, something to the effect that she was a beautiful girl, uh, and then, the second thing he said was that. And he also discovered that she was talented and bright. <clears throat> you know, he said pretty much something like that. Right, right. And they came after him talking about, uh, you Misogyny. know, they were outraged. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were outraged that he uh, that he mentioned that she was pretty or whatever. I mean, it's stuff like that. It's ridiculous. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, I posted this on Facebook the other day, too. It was a bit that... Um, uh, Bill Maher does on his show real time right. at the end. He's got this bit that he does called uh, uh, new rules. Uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter to me whether somebody's liberal uh, conservative, I, you know, that's not really my point, but the thing is, is he, he was talking about that, about people having to apologize for every little thing. They say, you know, you, if somebody doesn't like a word or a syllable that, you put out a certain way, they're going to attack you and rip you apart. And, you know, I mean, I think everybody needs to just calm down, (laughs) you know, realize because you say a certain thing doesn't mean you're out to get somebody or to hurt somebody's feelings, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, I think nearly what it comes down to, this is just my take. I'm I'm not pulling it from anywhere. Sure. But I reckon it like it's the vocal minority given out is people who have nothing better to be doing or you know the way we're talking pretty much face to face we're we're on an actually video call here this is gonna this is going out as audio but if we had a disagreement in person you just come to terms and say i don't know you might even exchange fisticuffs or something and you'd shake hands afterwards like those days are gone it's people wouldn't say anything I could talk to you now. We could have a difference of opinion. And I could go on Twitter the second we hang off and say, oh, Jesus, I was talking to Israel. He's an absolute bloody... Douche. Douche, we'll say. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll try and keep it a little bit PC. But I would prefer to trash something out with someone and then see the differences of opinion and say, all right, look, you had a point there. Right. This, that, and the other. And then shake, like... Uh, metaphorically shake hands afterwards 
and right. just get on with it. I think people are just missing that confrontation or the threat of confrontation because it can all go online. Like right. b- before it used to be you write in your diary with your grievances. Now it goes out to everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it, I think people, you know, they may not say what they might have said. You know, they can't express themselves the way they want to want to express themselves. So they, you know, they they tie their own hands, you know, so to speak, and, and they can't be themselves. They can't be them, their real self because they're too afraid of being attacked. And, you know, that's a shame, you know. And, yeah, and like you said, I think it is a vocal minority. And, you know, when, when people can, can sit uh, anonymously, you know, in their underwear, in their basement or their mom's basement or wherever they're at, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and they can attack somebody without any repercussions, you know, I mean, most of these people are cowards, you know, if you ask me, because, like you said, if you were face to face, first of all, um, you wouldn't that's say another it. thing, you know, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't say anything. And, and, uh, and, and you might, you might, uh, uh, understand the person, uh, differently because of their facial expressions or, or whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, it's easy to sit and attack somebody online, you that's know, it. yeah. When, I mean, when, it's very hard you know, to convey emotion via an email or is. text or whatever. I mean, we got the emoticons, but <laughs> <laughs> they're helping. They do help a bit. Like... <laughs> they still need to work on that sarcasm, sarcasm emoticon, I guess. But yeah, that's actually <laughs> one difference I would notice a lot between. I'm gonna, I'm gonna broad strokes here between the U.S. and the EU is sarcasm. The U.S. doesn't have a lot of sarcasm, as far as I've seen over the years. Oh God, you're right, man. I, I mean, you, less so too. You know, over the last few years, people are losing their sense of humor. Yeah, big time. But um, kind of tying it back into writing, do you think getting your thoughts down on paper kind of helps in that respect, as opposed to just venting on Twitter or Facebook? Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't vent much on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you know, um, I don't get very political. You know, every once in a while I might cross the line, but, um, you know, for one thing, nobody cares what I have to say about that, <laughs> you know, and you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna change anybody's mind really. You know, they believe people believe what they believe and that's it. Hmm. So, you know, I've just been my wheels and yeah. And, and also I feel like, um, you know, a lot of time you're, you're wasting creative energy that could be, you know, better put to use. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to rant or rave, you know, I'll do it in a story through a character. Yeah. Um, but see, and, and I know that like Facebook is more, it's, it's more like a, a community picnic or whatever, where, you know, uh, memes go okay, go over okay there. And, you know, uh, little jokes and, and what have you. But the best response you get on Facebook is through, uh, you know, just expressing your thoughts. You say something on there and people respond. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just I, I don't I don't think I'm that good at doing that. Um, I feel like I don't have a lot to to really say as far as politics or, you know, I might get on there and say something 
fairly personal every once in a while, but you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't feel really comfortable doing that. So, yeah, um, like you know, I, I would definitely be an advocate of, uh, dealing with things not internally as in, in oneself, but if you have an issues, like bring it up with a person, bring it up with your wife, yeah. your girlfriend, talk to your dog, yeah. <laughs> whatever people like to do. But like, oh, yeah. like the second that goes out online, you can't take it back. Someone, you can't take it back. Someone's gonna and, 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 or screenshot it or do fucking something, and it's gonna. There are a couple of guys on there that you know I won't name them, but they may know who they are if you know if they if they hear this. But they're like a couple of my favorite guys on there. I really like them a lot, <clears throat> and but they'll get on there and you know they'll talk about you know, the minutiae of their personal lives and the, you know, their angst and their problems. I mean, they get down to the nitty gritty of course. and, and, and they're really good at it. You know, they really are. And, uh, and I admire them for that, you know, more than they know, but I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't bring myself to, to do that. Yeah. But you have to, you know? have to ask yourself, why would you want to do that? Why do people want to like, put these things out into the ether to be picked up it's like come on that's a good question everyone everyone is a person everyone's going through these things i don't need to know that you like fucking licked your wife's asshole last night or whatever the fuck (laughs) you're up to yeah yeah like i don't i don't want to know that shit yeah i know I, i that's a good question why people feel the need to do that and uh you know but like i say i i find their post entertaining i just you know i like that's the thing there. It is entertaining, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I, I like to keep some of my life private, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, my my life is not a reality show. And, <laughs> you know. So, hey, more power to them, though. You know. Ah, yeah. No, um, definitely under like some sort of alias or something, be putting out funny stories and stuff. But I right, know, just keep things fucking private. I think for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> How do we even get I, onto that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk accolades for your stuff. Okay. You, you've you won the Atheist Writer's Digest short story competition. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I was one of, one of the winners, yeah. One of the winners, but still a winner in the yeah. eyes of that competition. How yeah. How did that come about? Well, I used to subscribe to Writer's Digest and, you know, I saw the contest in the magazine and I'm, I thought, well, what the hell? I can't remember if I already had the story or if I wrote it for that purpose. But, um, yeah, I sent a little kind of a, it was a science fiction kind of a, uh, in a, a kind of an allegory and, and, a, and a, uh, an homage to Ray Bradbury. It was, it was a, a science fiction story about um what how an alien uh, visiting the earth perceived our wars they didn't you know this this alien didn't understand it, it was he had no concept of it and yeah and they loved it and so yeah i was i was one of the winners of that and that story as a matter of fact is in are, are we on video or is this just audio this would be audio but i can put it up when we post well okay well just for for this purpose here's the book uh dreaming at the top of my lungs and that that story is in this book uh the collection 
Nice. So yeah, it ended up in in the book. So yeah, I, I it's one of my favorites. Excellent. And are you a fan of like? Would you ever read back on your own stories and say, "Geez, that was a damn good story." Like, do you enjoy consuming your own content? No, I, I never read my own stuff. I just, uh, I mean, other than to go back and maybe to do some editing or or what have you, uh, or I may, I may revisit a passage if somebody brings it up that it really, some, something really touched them. Mm. Um, I might go back and look at it to see what they, what they're talking about or, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, like certain actors don't like to watch their, their own movies or whatever. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've written it. I've been in it as deeply as I can get in it. So yeah, I, I no, I, I don't ever read my own stuff. And, and I, I mean, there's too much other good stuff out there to read. Yeah, of course. And who do you think would have been your biggest endorsement so far? Any little humble brags out there? An, an endorsement, an endorsement that I would give, or endorsement somebody no, would give for me. Oh man, that this book was great. Or what was your kind of highest praise you've received from? Oh God, there's there's a few, but um, you know, one one that I really praised was. Uh, uh, Adrian Shotbolt from uh, uh, the Grim Reader. Right. Uh, yeah, he. I highly respect that guy. Um, he's done some, you know, some pretty big names, and you know, he he loved it, and and he went out of his way to to mention it. Uh, uh, did a did a review all across the board. I think he he reviewed me on Amazon, and you know, did a blog about the book. Did a Goodreads review. And then uh, he did a best of 2016 towards the end of the year, and uh, the book was an honorable mention on nice. his site, which Excellent. thrilled me to death. So yeah, I'm pretty proud of that because you know that guy he's he's, he's a heavyweight man. Mm. So and, and then there have been others too, but that's the the one that comes to mind mostly. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody that's going to be like, man, why didn't you mention me? <laughs> We'll just say it was a, a groggy Sunday morning. Uh, we're yeah, to get the best exactly. Out of <laughs> I'm so, still clearing the cobwebs out of my head, man. Exactly. And with all highs, there must come lows. What's been the most crushing uh, words that have been echoed back to you or told your face with regards to your work? You know, that's funny because I was talking about that last night. I, I've gotten a, a three-star review on, uh, on Amazon. Bad. No, it's not. It's not. Well, that's see, that's what I mean because the girl said that you know. Well, I I read this because everybody's talking about how good it is, but I, you know, evidently she didn't see it. She said there were no wow moments for me or whatever. And it's like okay, well, it wasn't for you. Uh, and I told uh, the guy that I was with last night, uh, hanging out down at the the ale house, that. You know, I, I don't. I haven't gotten that many bad reviews yet, or really any. <laughs> he mm. said, "Don't worry, you will." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "You will," and I know I will. I know I will. I don't. I don't think I've been in it long enough to, you know, to get uh, any scathing reviews yet. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not so delusional to think that I won't. Yeah. I know I will. I know they'll come. You know, and and I, I think I, I'm got a thick enough skin that, that I'll take it in stride. Of course. You know, I mean, cause everybody gets, everybody gets bad reviews. Stephen King gets them. Yeah. Everyone does. You know, and I was only talking to someone the other day 
and we were just kind of discussing it kind of depends when you're consuming content definitely if you're in a good mood or a bad mood like if i was in a bit yeah. of a, an iffy iffy mood and i was reading your book and i was saying oh jesus i just you know fling this away or whatever and right be away with it but then you come back later and say jesus why don't i give that a chance that was amazing that's a really good point man very good point um yeah the reader brings to the story what you know their own baggage too of course uh, whether it's a mood they're in at the time or or whether you know there's a certain element of the story that really rubs them the wrong way and and you know i mean i've i've heard about uh some reviews that are really arbitrary like uh this i can't remember who said this i think i read it on facebook one of my writer friends said that he got a one-star review because <laughs> the, the reader said that the the package was ripped when it was delivered by Amazon. That, is you know, and that has nothing to do with him yeah. or his work, but you know, I mean, I don't know. They look at it like it's a product and you know, so I mean, yeah, there are reviews like that and uh, reviews. I don't know. You, you've probably, you know, seen your share of them too. Uh, strange one or two star reviews because that have absolutely nothing to do with, well, you know, I'll the tell story. you. I'll tell you my. <laughs> I'll tell you my kind of like opposite of of that uh, scenario, yeah. where I was reviewing a independent uh, horror movie, and I was looking up all the reviews, and they're all kind of fairly good, you know, seven plus kind of meta score. We'll say, <laughs> I said, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, and I sat down. It was a horror comedy. Uh, I won't mention names because. I've been on to the person since, but okay, no, he'll know if he's listening. No, I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. It was a movie called Conjoined, and it was the Conjoined twins, and one of them was supposed to be a serial killer. And it was kind of like low budget, and I was like, oh, okay, this kind of sounds good. <laughs> so it was a, an American production, and I, I was sitting down watching it with my friend, and we're both kind of watching it, and we're both kind of looking at each other, saying. Are you, are you watching this as well? Like this is awful. This is one of the most horrendous movies I've ever seen. Then my housemate came in with his girlfriend, and they caught the tail end of it, and we're all just watching it, kind of like open mouth, saying, "Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is one of the worst things I've ever seen," and we just couldn't understand how this was getting glowing reviews across the board. So yeah. I kind of had to chalk it down to uh, lost in translation, I suppose, that the, the comedy or the humor didn't transition across the pond. But if... if what, what, was it American, an American movie? Yeah, or, it was an American uh, movie. So, so so was it just, was it like offensive or was it just crappy? No, it just wasn't funny. Story. It was like it just was, wasn't funny. Yeah. Just, okay. No, like none of the jokes were landing or anything yeah. for us. Because... It wasn't a case where I wanted to like slate it. I wasn't in like a, a bashing mood or anything. But right. the fact that four people in the room were just like, "What is this shit that you're watching?" I was like, <laughs> oh man! But so I, it got past somebody. It got past the goalie, didn't it? Yeah, but I I gave the review and I gave it a sympathy three out of ten. And I was on to the the director, and he was just like. He was just laughing because he was like, yeah, I, I was waiting for someone to come back to me saying it was rubbish. And that was probably really? over a year ago. I 
I must definitely track him down for um, an interview, actually, because he said he'd do one after the fact. So he, he expected it, huh? I think he did, because, you know, it was meant to be that kind of, like, intentionally bad humor. Yeah. But, it, you know, when you're trying to be intentionally bad when it's supposed to be funny, but it was actually just bad, bad. <laughs> right. It was just really fucking weird. Oh, but uh, maybe Maybe he was making a statement, man. Yeah, you should definitely try and uh, pull it down. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, <laughs> just to see, would you find it funny or not? No, yeah. uh, it was like, uh, I just can't even begin to describe what the movie was. I don't I don't know, you know, I don't watch a lot of uh, horror comedy, um, and, I, and I don't know how much is available out there, actually. Um, I think the last one I watched was... Uh, what we do in the shadows, I think it was called. Oh, that was very funny. Uh, I like that. That was hilarious, oh, man. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're making a second one of that, actually. Good. Good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, with the werewolves. I'm on board for that, man. Oh, no, that was excellent. That was actually kind of yeah. one that I started and I was like, uh, not really kind of into this. And then I came back to it and I was like, this is yeah. absolute gold. This is oh, amazing. yeah. It, it was ridiculously funny to me. Yeah, that was good. And what are your, what are you looking forward to for twenty seventeen? We're nearly at the end of the first month. Well, I tell you, my goals for twenty seventeen uh, are first and foremost to finish the novel that I'm writing, the novel Threads. I would like to, I, you know, I, I'm self published up to this point, but um, you know, I've I've had a tentative offer from one publisher for the this book. Mm. Uh, that's coming out. And so uh, I'm thinking about maybe shopping the book a little bit when I, when I get it done. And, and I'd also like to, uh, to get into the horror writers association because, you know, I'd, I'd like to be nominated for a Bram Stoker award, you know, sometime in the future. And if I could accomplish that by the end of this year, that would be awesome. Anything else would be just gravy, you know? Mm. Yeah, and you think, and, and of course to to go on to the next book. Yeah, I was just going to follow up now with, do you think you're going to keep writing, or do you think there's going to be a point where I've said my piece, uh, there's no more I can put on the page, or do you think it's this is kind of like you're going to be a writer now? Is this your, <laughs> your no? This I'm your I'm going to be a writer. Yeah, yeah. I I don't. I mean. You know, I, nobody can see the future, and there may be a, a, a time when I, you know, just lay my pen down or put my computer away or whatever. But, mm. um, but I don't see that happening at this point. You know, there's been too many years in between when I wasn't, wasn't writing. writing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like I've got a lot of catching up to do, and uh, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I'm just uh, it still sets me on fire. You know. Yeah, of course. And I, I don't see that ending anytime soon. And do you think it worked out a little bit better to have your life experience behind you, to have, I suppose, darker, more rugged stories, to have a life of... Because you have a bit of a colorful life being in the Navy, musician, moving around the place. Like There was a lot happening yeah. there. To yeah, be... see, that's what my wife says. When I, when I, when I uh, complain about the time that I wasted, she says it, it wasn't wasted. Look at it. Look at everything you've done that, you know, now you can write about all this, you know, and, and so that's cool. You yeah. Know? Is, it, is it the journey, not the destination, as they say? Exactly. Right. And is your wife a fan or does she partake in the books at all? 
she loves horror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we first met, she was reading like um, epic fantasy stuff. I've never been a fan. Uh, you know, I mean, I like uh, Game of Thrones. I think that's excellent. That kind of drew me back because it's so gritty and real. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, she was reading the swords and knights and dragons stuff that, you know, that seems, you know, if somebody else likes it, that's fine. I, I, it's just not my bag. So I but, so I gave her like a Stephen King book or something. I said, here, read this. Hmm. And she she hasn't looked back. She loves it. You know, she she reads everything that I read. Uh, King, McCammon, you know, a, a lot of the new guys that are coming out. Uh, Keelan Patrick Burke, love him. Ed Kurtz. You know, I, I want to drop a bunch of names, man. But <laughs> yeah, keep going. You know, <laughs> this is all a solid. Yeah, work. well, yeah. Um, yeah, of course. And now I'm drawing a blank since I said <laughs> that. But but yeah, but there are a lot of lot of you know new writers up and coming that uh, fantastic man. Yeah. So you know, it's just a yeah, big time. No, because you were saying earlier uh, when you were starting off your reading, and it's like, oh, there's always new people coming out. But I, I'm nearly almost the reverse where I started buying, like I have fucking 80 books plus backlogged because I've got to buy all these classics. So I have a mixture between sort of classic stuff, like we'd say the Iliad, the Aeneid, all those w- ones, and then fiction in between. Like you're, like I recently finished uh, Clockwork Orange. I Yeah, Clockwork Orange was the last one I did. And then before that, I had Richard Madison, like, I am legend and Fahrenheit oh my God. four five one right. and all those. So I am finding it hard to get new stuff because I'm very bad for reading. I'm only, I, I gave myself a New Year's resolution to try and read two books a month. I got one down and I started a second one. Yeah. So I'm a slow reader too, man. Mm, big time. No, because I really fell off because I, I just got like, oh yeah, I buy all these books. And then it was became nearly an addiction but i wasn't bloody well reading them as they were coming in so i'm not allowing myself to buy any new book until i read uh, like three or four books so that's the only yeah way, that's the only way i'm going to get new books <laughs> you yeah that's the good catalog. <laughs> that's good man. That's a, i know it's it's hard to do it's like you know i i'm the same way it's like i, I got 80 books that i on my to be read list and I'll still buy the next one coming out because I'm afraid that I'm going to forget about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll get it and put it on the back burner and, you know, get the next one, get the next one. And, yeah, and, and I'm the same way. There, there are still a lot of classic uh, horror books or, you know, supposedly classic or, you know, some favorites that, that I still mean to read. I've never read Dracula. Neither have uh, I. I started it a few times, but I never persisted with it. But then on the other hand, I've read Frankenstein like three times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, there's certain classics, you know, those among the classics that I, I mean to read and I just don't. Um, probably a couple that I'm ashamed that I haven't. You know, I, I haven't read uh, <laughs> I haven't read uh, Clive Barker's Books of Blood. And, I have completely uh, skipped out on Clive Barker. You see, I'm yeah. like as bad as I am for reading it's the the horror genre i've really neglected that's why uh because i had isaac torn on as well and he's a, another horror writer so yeah like, i know isaac so i'm I'm trying to d- kind of dive head first is i'm nearly doing the interviews more as a curiosity to myself 
than anything yeah. to get insights into the circle because the horror community is so vast like i am i'm primarily kind of films and i play the odd kind of horror games myself but then it's the literary aspect is just a whole different rabbit hole <laughs> which oh I, yeah which i'm just it about circling right now yeah it, you're right man it is it's it's amazing you know that's why that I, I feel like i'm never going to get to the bottom of it and i guess that's a good thing yeah um, well, you never will so you at some stage you just kind of have to pick what you like isn't it maybe yeah. not go back to the classics not don't maybe so world. yeah maybe so because you know Bram Stoker doesn't give a shit that I read his book <laughs> <laughs> so you know I mean uh yeah he's not gonna do anything for me I mean not not that it's not that I'm reading other people so they can do something for me I don't mean it that way but maybe read some up-and-comers and help them out you know tout yeah, their books talk about them and you know, like like Ed Kurtz, man. I don't know if you call him an up and comer. He's really, I think he's a genius, man. But um, yeah, I, I did a blog about you know I, I reviewed his book, um, uh, the rib from which I remake the world. You know, and and that that's what I, I, I that's another thing I love to do. If if I stumble across a a writer that I think needs to people need to hear about him, I, I will I'll scream it from the rooftops, man. Yeah, and you know, because they deserve that, of course. And this is now encompassing yourself as well as other new writers. Do you think it's much harder than we'll say it used to be in the good old days that there's such like there's such a big audience, but trying to get your book out there on top mm -hmm. of everything that went before, trying to like break out in that sea of content? Do you find that tough? Yeah, but I mean, I think it's uh, in a way it's it's still the same because. I mean, in, in, you know, okay, like uh, in the days of, of, you know, like when Stephen King was first starting out or before the internet, you know, you'd sat and clicked away on a typewriter and then you you put your manuscript in a manila envelope and you send it off and, uh, you know, for response, whatever. And, and there may not have been as much competition in those days because there, there wasn't as much accessibility to uh the market as there is now but now there's more accessibility to the market you know i mean anybody and their brother can get can write a book and throw it up on amazon and there's an argument for that and an argument against it yeah it's, i was just gonna say like anyone as you said can go up on amazon so at least before there used to be the gatekeeper of the publication house right that kind of right. filtered good quote-unquote content we've all heard yeah. the stories of oh, oh I got, my I god got denied yes. <laughs> 20 times and i submitted yeah. it myself and now i'm the best writer ever or whatever but right right and see and that's the thing i mean with every writer that tried to submit and got rejected or or every writer that that um puts their stuff up on amazon you know there's a different story for everyone maybe the writer that got rejected a hundred times is just a bad writer or or maybe it was just you know like you said <laughs> yeah or like you said you know um the um the editors at the time were in a bad mood or who, who knows or they weren't looking for that story i mean it, it it's just it's such a hard thing to nail down uh there you know there are a lot of bad books on amazon i mean there are, there are books put up that aren't 
they're not edited right. They're, you know, they're full of typos, formatting errors, you know. You know, you might as well call a spade a spade. It, you know, you throw junk up just because you can, then yeah, it's not a, it's not good. But, you know, I don't know how to police that. The, the only way to police it is, you know, readers rejecting it, you know, and it, it end up not selling. But for the most part, yeah, it's there's a lot of competition, man. But but I think it's a good thing. I think writers that whose voices weren't heard before have a lot better chance nowadays. I think if you do a good job, if you're if if you write a good story and you format it right, you edit it, you do the best possible job you can with that product and you present it properly. You got as as good of a chance as anybody else, man. Yeah, you do you just reckon so like good content will prevail regardless? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have to believe that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, cause we only connected through uh, Twitter and that's, I primarily yeah. use Twitter. I don't really use Facebook, but then on like, I would have obviously seen you on Twitter before I saw your book on the shelf somewhere. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, right. The social media is kind of a gateway to get to know people. To right. Extent. Because the whole point of this show is to get people who might be like lesser known or up and coming, yeah, to kind of give them a voice. And at the same yeah. time, I'm shouting into the crowd of there's a million podcasts. You know how <laughs> how do I get out there? So right. we're, all, we're all like vying for that kind of Mac position, so to speak. Yeah, but see, that's a cool thing. I mean, it's it's like you know these are the days of like uh, underground man. Yeah. And and it's a huge thing. It's actually, you know, it's it's huger than than mainstream is really when you think about it. Oh, big time. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I think I, once I you land it. it like there's definitely like I don't know do you notice but definitely on Twitter there's it's not grounded but I I've said this a couple of times now but I I keep having to come back to it. It's not a grounded community but you definitely see the same names popping up around the place. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, fucking hell. Like, you know, there's a lot of support. There's a lot of uh, camaraderie. I've yet to see, you know, a lot of bullshit, we'll say. It's usually been quite good in the horror community. I think it's quite good. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I, I don't I don't see much negativity. I mean, you know, there's some, uh, but, you, but you're right. I mean, I, I, I've got, I don't know how many followers on Twitter, quite a few, but, you know, but it seems like I do only see a handful of them. You know, and so, and, I, and so I don't know, you know, I, I've heard things about like Facebook's algorithm, like, you know, they block things or, you know, uh, you can only see certain things. I don't I don't even pretend to understand that. And I don't know what Twitter's algorithm is at all. Yeah, I do like Twitter a lot, though, man, because I know, you know, if I put something out on Facebook, you know, it'll get a few likes or whatever. You know, that's cool. I, I do OK over there. But, man. Twitter, you know, <laughs> you know, I could put something out there and it'll blow up because it's, I don't, it's, it's exponential, man. Yeah. That's the it's, thing. Like the retweet yeah. and the liking thing like, yeah. is crazy. The amount of traction some people get. Yeah. So the, I love Twitter for that, for that uh, regard. But, you know, I know a lot of people say they don't understand it. They don't, you know, I mean, I, I, I get it, you know, the 140 characters or whatever it is. And, 
How can you say, how can you get anything done? How can well, you say really anything? Well, that out the bullshit. you, you yeah. got to be artful, man. <laughs> That's it. It goes back to songwriting. It's like a little haiku that you have to write. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, and putting your hashtags in and whatever. And, yeah, I really like Twitter, man. I think it's it's a cool, cool, cool platform. Yeah, I think once you get your so, head around kind of what it is, it's very useful. I bloody well love it. Oh, That's why yeah. I'm on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I see more and more people lately, you know, I've, I've listened to a few podcasts where they, I don't know, it seems to be something that I've, I've, I hear a lot lately is that people uh, are on Twitter a lot more than they are Facebook. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's just the writer community or the podcast community, um, what that is, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, there's, uh, there's rumblings that Twitter will be no more soon. Cause it's not, I know. yeah, they say that they've been saying the same thing about Google, Yeah, uh, Google plus, but you know, and, and that's, that's something else. It's like, um, yeah, I'm on practically every, I'm, I'm on every social media platform there is, or I've been on it. And, you know, right now I think I'm on too many because, you know, I have to spread myself so thin. Exactly. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I'm trading quantity for quality. So I think I'm going to end up narrowing it down to like maybe three. Oh, like you know? I struggle just to keep up with Twitter. Like I think. Yeah. Yeah. I have a YouTube channel and then like a gaming channel. And then I know a lot of people do Instagram, but Jesus, that's just like. Yeah, I'm on, in, I'm on Instagram. That's just like Twitter and, and, and Facebook had a baby isn't it <laughs> yeah it's weird it, yeah it's i'm still learning it you know i'm still getting my feet wet there but i don't know uh, instagram seems like to me it seems like a nice tumbler you know a nice um, see tumblr is another that's another wasteland i don't want to go near <laughs> yeah tumblr was uh you know i was on there a while i i had like I don't know, six or 7,000 followers. And I just bailed because <laughs> it just, you know, everybody was so judgmental and, you know, it was all about, you know, I wanted to talk about horror. So I was, I was attracting a lot of uh, depressed people and, you know, yeah, it's a lot of young uh, people. Yeah, it is. And so I just, you know, it was cool, but I decided it wasn't for me. Yeah. And, uh, well that, like, so, yeah. that's, that's kind of the worry is, you know, if we'll say Twitter gets shut off tomorrow, I basically have no platform. There's no like hub, we'll say, of people. Yeah. So it's like where to put your hub. Like people don't go on websites anymore. It's all like here's the Twitter link to the website, but I'm not. Yeah. Going, I'm not going on to like Israelfin.com like every morning and just like oh I'll go on the Twitter and see what he's up to and then right, post right. anything on the blog, you know. Well, I've got my blog, and and I they say that that's what your hub should be. I mean, the gurus, whoever they are, you know, they say, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if something happens to Twitter or Facebook, blah blah blah, you know, you are the king of your content on your own blog. So I maintain my blog because you know, I don't know. It seems like that's where I can go and say as much as I want about whatever I want. Yeah, no, um, that, that's kind of the thing. Yeah, definitely. If everything goes, I think if I had to, if I had to pick one platform right now, if somebody like held a gun to my head and said, "You can only have one," that's it. It would be Twitter. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. If I definitely pick that as well, like I have a website, but Jesus, that's only like a a link uh, aggregator of just like 
Here's the Twitter. Yeah. Here's the fucking Facebook. It's rubbish. I need to get a blog going, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I go into well, racing what, next. I dip my toe well, in everything. Well, I thought that. I mean, your podcast here isn't that part of your what your site is, or yeah, that's kind of like a big thing, really. I'm really trying to push this. My girlfriend says she won't listen to the show until I have ten episodes out because that would oh, really? take like three months because I was sh- shiting on about it for so long. <laughs> Well, man, I'd be I'd be happy to recommend some uh, recommend you to some some people that I know, and so you can get some more uh, some more people on there. Oh, that's yeah, big time, you know. Yeah, that'd be all good. That's what's all about the networking. Yeah, exactly. It's great. No, hopefully you'll get a few more. Uh, uh, we'll say sales <laughs> out of yeah. listeners and all that jazz. Well, that's why we do it, right? Exactly. So for any. Uh, would-be writers out there, would you have any advice for them? Yeah, mostly this would be targeted to the, at, at the uh, indie community. Is just, uh, like I said before, you know, if you want to be a success at this, then you got to work hard at it. Just, you know, you can't just because Amazon or Kobo or Smashwords or whatever it is, whatever platform you choose – just because it's easy to throw up a grocery list on Amazon doesn't mean you should do it. You know, if you really truly want to be a success, you know, have respect for the reader, have respect for them and, you know, put out the best product you can write a damn good story, format it, edit it, get a good, good book cover, whatever you need to do. You know, if you, if you, if you're unsure, there are a million, just Google whatever you don't know or whatever you want to know, and, and you'll find it. There are people out there to help everywhere, you know. So, yeah, that's my, my, my message would be, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing right. And, and then you got a chance. Excellent. Well, that seems like some great sage advice we might finish on. So, okay. Israel, where can we find you online if we were to look for you? Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, right now, uh, I'll just give the top three because, like I say, you know, I might be uh, bailing on the other ones a bit. Um, Twitter, Israel underscore uh, at Israel underscore Finn, and uh, Facebook at Facebook, whatever it is, dot com, uh, Israel Finn. And Instagram is uh, Israel underscore Finn. Great. And, and also, uh, <laughs> my site yeah israelfin.com so yeah definitely right. and and yeah for you know anybody that's listening uh you know go to go to my amazon page you know you can like my amazon page or or uh, join my amazon page um check out my book dreaming at the top of my lungs which is um it's uh here i'll show it again for anybody if it's video yeah um, i'm definitely gonna up the picture when we're posting so people can see okay great yeah and 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 so yeah the dreaming at the top of my lungs is available in all the formats it's uh paperback hardback or, or paperback uh digital and audio also and uh you know and and keep an eye out for my book threads which should be out in a couple of months yeah i'll definitely do some little updates when that's out so you'll have to keep me posted too absolutely man 
Well, Israel, thank you for coming on uh, in the midst of your hangover. And uh, <laughs> enjoy. It was my pleasure. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode. Uh, we will be back again in a fortnight's time. Uh, it's usually kind of a Thursday release schedule is what I plan. Uh, I really have to wrap this one up quick. I'm actually, this is Wednesday night. I'm trying to get this out, wrapping it up. Uh, two weeks is too soon. Getting ahead of myself with the schedule. Maybe drop back to once a month. Joke. But anyway, as always, like I said at the start, if you would like to reach out, you can find me at The Fear Merchant on Twitter. You can hit up the website, which is kind of the hub for everything. SoundCloud, what I'm about, everything. That's thefearmerchant.com. Send me an old email, thefearmerchant.gmail.com. And everything else will be in the show notes for Israel and, of course, werewolves in Siberia. So, until next time, take it easy, look after yourselves, and don't do anything you wouldn't want your mother catching you do. Talk to you later. Come back at a time. <laughs>